As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer with The Athletic, and this is 755 is Real, presented by Topps. Check out Topps Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Topps baseball cards. And I am with my co-host, Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? Not much. How are you holding up today, Dave? I'm good, man. It was a uh, hell of a weekend series in, in San Francisco. The first two games obviously did not go the way the Braves hoped, but I I thought the third game it was one of those where it was such a good win that it it doesn't it doesn't make up for the first two losses because he obviously lost two out of three. But man, they had so much momentum from that game going into Arizona, and then they did what they should do against the Diamondbacks. They kicked the shit out of them last night in the series opener. So, but I thought that that Sunday game was really encouraging for the Braves and for anybody that was kind of jumping off the bandwagon. Because they beat a hell of a team in San Francisco, man. Watching the watching those Giants for a weekend, watching them, you know, every inning, you see why they are, yeah. why they have, why they've had the best record all year. They might yeah. not be quite as deep as the Dodgers, but the pieces fit together as well as any team that I've seen in a while. Yeah, they're legit. I mean, obviously they're legit because we're in uh, <laughs> mid September, two weeks, two weeks you left, know, <laughs> and, and they're still holding on. But I. You know, I, I watched them all year just kind of, you know, knowing how good the Dodgers are thinking, you know, how are they going to hold on to it? But yeah, they're still doing it. And after watching them play for a series, you know, I, I see why, too. Uh, and one thing which you could fully appreciate, I'm sure that bullpen is damn good, yeah. man. Yeah, they got, and they they got a lot of different horses. looks. Yes. Yes. They, get, they bring us some horses. They might not be as overpowering as some of the Dodgers guys, but man, I love the way the pieces fit. And then they got, you know, great catcher. Buster Posey calls a great game. They got a good backup catcher. They got uh, some interchange pieces like the Dodgers do. Um, They're shortstop, man. I know Dansby's had a hell of a year, but watching their shortstop all weekend, God, he's been, that guy's terrific. I feel like he's so underrated. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Maybe he's playing out there, you know, being on the West Coast or whatever. But every every time I see him play a series, yep. he does something that 
that you know catches your eye. Makes, He's tremendous. Makes a great defensive play. He comes up to bat in big situations, and you don't you don't feel great about it. You know, being on the other team, but yeah, he's he's been doing that for. Yeah, so I don't even know what year he got called up, but going to his he's going to 35. his right, going to his right and making that strong throw, and he makes an accurate throw every time. It seems like he yeah, must have made great arm. He must have made four of those plays during the series where he went to his right, and like that 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 probably only about eight to ten shortstops in the league make on a regular basis, and he did it every time, like boom, boom, boom. It was like. You know, and the crowd's chanting MVP, and he's uh, yeah, that was it was they put on a show, but the Braves, man, they've got a couple of guys that right now, I mean, Duvall, this run that he's continued since coming to the Braves, hmm. I, Alex might Alex Anthopoulos, it's going to be tough to beat out like the Giants guy, obviously, um, but Alex Anthopoulos with the moves he made, considering he lost Ronald Acuna, and everybody wrote them off when that happened, considering who he lost and never got Soroka back. The moves he made at the trade deadline, they might win him executive of the year, dude, because I, I don't think I've seen a team make as many moves as the Braves did where every one of them has worked out. I know Rich Rod's struggling right now, but he gave them about a, a strong, really a strong month. Yeah. And the outfielders, all of them, the three they got at the trade deadline have been huge for the for the Braves. Jock Peterson's not even playing much anymore because the three they got at the deadline have been so good with Soler, Duvall, and uh, Rosario. Yeah, I mean it's it's all panned out. And I mean he did some good moves this offseason signing Charlie too, you know, but yeah. You lost uh, you lost Ozuna and Acuña, you know, two guys you were counting on to a big part of carrying the load and went out and got these yeah. guys and all three of them hit. That doesn't happen. I mean, I feel like even it, when you look at major deadline acquisitions, you know, when teams get a yeah. superstar, it seems like it only hits 50% of the time. Yep. Teams go out and get some guy that's hitting, you know, 345 with 20 homers from from another organization on the West Coast or something. They come over and they're not the same guy after the trade. Or, or look at Kimbrell, you know, like how how yeah. could Kimbrell miss? And he struggled with Chicago. For whatever reason, that change of scenery, change of atmosphere seems to – it's still a crapshoot, even if you think you're getting a great player. And all three of these guys have come over and done awesome. And all three of these guys have come over. Uh, Duvall was already having a great season leading yeah. the league in RBIs, but he's gotten better with the Braves. Soler had started to hit, but was hitting under 200 with the Royals. He's come over and been terrific, but he was starting to hit like the last nine games with the Royals, but he is, he's been terrific. And Rosario was hurt when he came over. And since he got activated 20 games ago, the guy's been he's on been fire. Raking. Yeah. I mean, We'll talk a little bit about what he did Sunday, which was just unbelievable. Hitting for the cycle in five pitches, getting hits on four consecutive pitches, the fewest pitches ever for a cycle. We'll talk about Duvall's mammoth homer Monday at uh, Arizona, which that, that was tremendous. Um, and then Freed's performance Sunday, which kind of got overshadowed by all the hitting in the last couple of days. Yeah. But, Freed stepped it up so big for the Braves on Sunday when they had to have it. Really, that was as close to a must-win as you're going to get at this time of the year. And I, he really stepped up. And the Phillies, coupled with the Phillies' loss, all of a sudden they went from having a chance to to leave there tied with the Phillies to instead up by two, and now they're up by three again. In a matter of 48 hours, it changed drastically. So we'll get to all that. First, I wanted to get to something I know you wanted to discuss, though, which was – uh just to uh, just to 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 um, 
kind of readdress something that Freddie had said to a couple of us, to Bowman and I, two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago, Freddie was talking about, this was after Ozzy got hurt out in Colorado. And all the Braves infielders had played basically every game, maybe one or two of them had missed a game. But basically they had played every game and like, and and Freddie had started every game and Dansby had started all but one, but played every game. Uh, Ozzy had, at the time had played all but two. He got hurt in Chicago early in the year. And Riley had played all but, all but one game. And he played every game. So they were playing every day, which you just not, do not see anymore. You see one guy maybe do that on a team, but not you don't see having four do it. They were leading their the league in, in games played at their positions, basically throughout the infield. And they were making it a point that we're all going to play every day, which Freddie said uh, that this was right after they became the second team in, in, in MLB history to have all infielders hit at least 25 homers. Albies had missed two games in Colorado after taking after fouling that Walker Bueller fastball off his knee, being carried off the field, which we thought was a broken kneecap initially. It ends up being just a contusion and missed two games. Comes back and homers in four straight games when he came back after the two-game <laughs> absence. So that put him over 25. So anyway, at that point, there were 24 games left, and it looked like they had a good chance of having being the first team with all four infielders have 30 homers. Dansby has been in a big swoon lately, though, so that's not going to happen. Um, uh, but at that point, Dansby had played all 138 games. Riley and Freeman had played 137, and Albies had missed two the, at Colorado. So he had played, uh, and then the two after Bueller, so he had played 134 of 138 at that point. So Freddie said, he told, because this is a big thing, Freddie wants to, it, it's not, you know, it's not that he gets on everybody's ass to play every day, but it's kind of goes unspoken. When Freddie's out there every day playing through stuff, you can too. So all the other infielders have taken it upon themselves to do the same thing. So when Ozzy got hurt, Freddie said, yeah, I might have to take uh, – Ozzy, uh, he, he kidded that, yeah, I might have to take two days off so I can get four homers straight up when I came back like Ozzy did. But he was talking about the infielders and said it's a special group. Um, it's amazing, and to have a group of them doing it, and have multiple years ahead of them, you know, the fans, are, are, they're going to have a lot. It's going to be special. But he was talking about how they've all developed these routines where they can play every day. They knew what they needed to do, whether that's yeah. skip infield in the heat, skip uh, skip batting practice in the heat and hitting the cage. Whatever they needed to do, they had their routines and they were following it. And uh, Freddie said, that's the thing. When you're a young guy, you try to find a routine that works for you. Um, Like – Usually as a young guy, you feel like I have to hit BP. I have to take 100 ground balls every day. No, you need to learn how to get through 162 games. That's what it's all about. And they've learned it, and they've learned it quick, and that helps us as a team. We don't care if you hit batting practice at 4 o'clock, it's 100 degrees outside. I need your bullets at 7 to 10 p.m. And they've learned that. They've learned how to get themselves ready. Um, so he said, uh, he said, that's all that matters, being out there every day. So, fast forward. The Dansby is in this swoon, had a big struggling mightily. So he finally got a oh oh oh. And Freddie had also said he kidded with Ozzy. He said when Ozzy got carried off the field, let's just say I was one of the reasons he came back so fast. I said you better go back to the hospital. Show me a fracture. Show me something. I can't have this. He was kidding, of course, but it was it was. 
it was stated clearly, you know, that uh, he expected the guys to play every day. If they, if they could at all play, if they weren't injured, if they were just hurt, if they were just sore, they could play. So, um, flash ahead. And he, and he also noted that Derek Jeter had talked about playing every day and all that, uh, 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 Snit had said that Snit said how much he appreciated Freddie's work ethic. Snit had said actually a few times that he thought part of the reason these guys were doing so well, the infielders is where they were playing every day. So he had no plans to give any of them days off if they were hurting or if they said they needed a day off, he would give them one. But otherwise, he expected these guys were going to play every day. And he pointed out Derek Jeter's Hall of Fame speech where Derek Jeter said, I came to play every day. So a long story. I'm sorry, long winded there. But to flash forward, Dansby gets a day off a couple of weeks ago because he's in a big he's been a big slump and they thought maybe that would help him. They called him the night before and asked him told him that we'd like him to take a day off, asked him what he thought about that and everything. And he said, yeah, I want to. And then they also had to ask kind of, or let Freddie know he was going to, because Freddie, you know, has been on these guys and they knew they told Freddie, basically take it easy on Dansby, <laughs> you know, don't get on him. But Freddie did anyway, but this all came to, got a lot of attention this week because Hannah Kaiser, a Yahoo sports columnist happened to be in Atlanta a couple of weeks during the last homestand doing a story. She did a story on uh, on uh, the story that good story at the time was uh, Dansby got a day off and she was fascinated with the fact these guys were playing every day and talked to him about it. And some of the quotes in the story kind of struck a chord with people. I think uh, people took, you know, how people take things the wrong way online and all that. And they read and the fact that Dansby was scuffling. I think they read into it that maybe Dansby's put has hurt himself by trying to play every day because of the pressure from Freddie and all this. So some of the quotes in her story, people took the wrong way as they're apt to do, but, and, and you noticed this too, right? I mean, you said, you know, you wanted to talk about these quotes, so I'll get to those in a minute, but just what's your immediate reaction to this, uh, this, this kind of a uh, uh, controversy, if you will, about, you know, playing every day and the pressure that people think Freddie's putting on these guys to play every day. Well, first of all, he's doing it in a joking manner. Right. Right. And, it, you know, that a lot of times that's the best way to get a point across without, I mean, he's not screaming at these guys, get your ass out there, you're playing today. And they're right. limping out, you know, limping out to second base with their ankle yeah. wrapped up. You know, I right. mean, I think that you have to understand that message is we expect you to play every day. And if you're not hurt, you know, if, if you just don't feel good, we're not taking days off. And, and that's, it, you got to be really careful with it because, you know, a guy could take it the wrong way and, and play hurt, but nobody's playing hurt. I'm not seeing anybody limping right. around or, or favoring anything to the point where, you, you know, you can obviously tell it's affecting their performance. But in a clubhouse, a lot of times, especially on bad teams or teams that aren't playing for much, you'll you'll see guys just not feel like it, you know, yeah. and, and they'll just their shoulders kind of sore. And all of a sudden, you know, you, you wind up taking that extra 20 games off a year. And if, if, if that culture yeah. exists where it's just okay to just be in there getting, we had a guy, a starting pitcher that was, we called him Kobe beef. Cause he was just always in the training room, just getting rubbed on, you know, every day it was part Kobe of his routine. Beef. It was just part of his routine to go lay on the training table and basically make something up because he just needed to be cared for every day. Yeah. You know, and his career didn't turn out the way we all thought it could because we thought he was soft and you got to be out there playing, but 
the thing that happens is you wind up getting you run if your superstar's doing it, if he's taking days off, if he's not playing when he doesn't feel like it, you create this culture where guys do get soft. And if they even have a little something bothering them, like if you look around the league right now, everybody's banged up. Mm-hmm. Every single player at this yeah. time of year has something that's nagging them. And the teams that are going to win are the teams that can find a way to roll out their studs, you know, as much as possible. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that that's part of it is you want to create this culture where you, you tell guys like, that's what we do here. We're playing every day. And it's not like Freddie screaming at them, getting in them in their face, yelling at them that they have to be out there when they're hurt. But if right. something's bothering you, you have to understand something's bothering everybody and we're trying to win the division. So he does it in a joking manner where if they're kind of on the fence, like I don't really feel like playing today. Am I going to tell the trainers I need a day off and have them go to the manager or yeah. can I tough this out? You know, you want their gut feeling to be, or their instinct to be, I can play through this, I can help the team today. And if you can help the team, they want you out there. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And this goes back to a culture thing. And this is yeah. how this is this was a this was a big part of the Braves culture during their during their run of 14 division titles. And it was a big part of what of their success because their superstars played every day. Yeah. They basically played every day. They took a couple of games off a year when they were hurt, but they played every day. People think because they forget those who are only familiar with the last part of Chipper's career think that he was hurt all the time, which he was after like age 32, 34, you know, because and that a lot of that was from playing. You know, he had a he had an ACL at the start of his career back when ACLs were big deals. But this guy, they forget how much this guy played. Him and yeah. Andrew Jones were in there every day. Chipper. Chipper is the one who talked to who passed this on to Freddie. And Freddie also had the work ethic, he says, from his dad, who used to have a blue-collar job, no health insurance, and, and believed in working every day. And Chipper had it passed on to him from Terry Pendleton, yep. the previous MVP before Chipper, previous Braves MVP. Well, to give you some idea what I mean, Terry Pendleton played beginning in 1986 with the Cardinals. Played 159 games, 159 games, was hurt the next year, played 110. Came back from that, played all 162 in, in 1989, hurt again the next year, only played 121. Came back from that, played 153 in his MVP year with the Braves in 91, played 160 the next year with the Braves, 161 the next year with the Braves at age 32. So this is just, I'm just giving you some idea where this came from. 
Terry is the one that when Chipper is a, a rookie and Pendleton is the third baseman at spring training, there were days that Terry Pendleton and, and during the season where Terry Pendleton asked Chipper to help him take his shoes off because TP had such bad back and <laughs> such a bad back and played with so much back stiffness that he literally could not bend over to untie his shoes in the clubhouse. Chipper would untie the dude's shoes for him, take his shoes off for him. He taught Chipper the, 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 the importance of being out there every day, what it meant to your team, what it meant to for the other team to see that your guys played every day. They That's didn't take days one. off. Chipper played beginning in his first year, 140. That was, I mean, that was his first, that was his rookie year uh, when he played the outfield and all that. And, and, but that wasn't because of injuries. He just got, he wasn't in there every day, 140. But the next year, beginning of the next year, 1996, Chipper played 157, 157, 160, 157, 156, 159, 158. This guy was playing every day. That's like one day off a month. Basically, is what he's playing or less. So, so that's where it's coming from. The culture that I'm talking about, it's passed on. It's expected when you're a team leader on this Braves team, you're going to play every day. You're not going to be one of these guys that is out with a nagging injury that is just discomfort, but it's not going to hurt you to play. Um, Chipper, I remember distinctly, J.D. Drew comes over to the Braves. J.D. Drew was a superstar. But he comes, he's got this reputation for whenever he's got a nagging injury, he's not in the lineup. So he's out of the lineup a lot. Early on, first week of the season, JD Drew's out of the lineup, plays a game, he's out of the lineup again. I remember exactly, I don't remember exactly, but it was two different things. He's out of the lineup. Chipper calls him out. Chipper says, listen, you know, in, in, in the proper way without getting confrontational, whatever. But we ask him about JD Drew, whatever. He goes, listen, JD Drew is obviously a player that believes that doesn't believe in playing if he's not 100%. Now, I understand that. He goes, but none of us are 100%. We play after you get through spring training, you're going to have start, you're going to have nagging stuff. We play through that. That's what we do here. He's a guy that believes in playing 100%, but there's nobody who's going to be 100%. After that day, J.D. Drew played every game the rest of the year. Go look it up. This is one season with the Braves. He played more games than he ever played in his life. Had the best season of his career. And he was yeah. a stud. But he had an unbelievable year that year. Played, played the most games of his career after Chipper called him out. One other time, Chipper called a guy out. Jason Hayward. He got hurt. They sent him down to Florida to rehab. And this was going on day after day, much longer than we thought it was going to be. I remember that. I forgot what the nagging injury was. It was a back thing, maybe. I'm not sure what it was. It was some some soreness, a hamstring soreness or something. Chipper said the same thing. It, he was a rookie at the time. Chipper said, you got to know the difference between playing hurt and playing injured. Yeah. If a guy's just sore, he can play. We need you because you're better at 85 90% than the guy exactly. that's going to be in there. He's got to understand that. Jason Hayward was back two days later and in the lineup and and, and took off after that. Those are yeah, just we, two and, examples that come and to we mind. We made that wild card by one game. Yeah. You know, yep. I mean, and I think that's the logic too, is you don't want to create this culture where guys are are taking days off because they don't feel a hundred percent. And then all of a sudden you look at your lineup, Riley's out of it. You know, Ozzy's yeah. out of it. As another team, when you yeah. look at that lineup, it, just the confidence it gives you, and it's it's vice versa as a as an offense when you roll out there, and Freddie's not in it, you're like shit. We got to pick up the slack. Guys might try to do more. Right now, I mean, I know it, it. 
people that haven't been in a clubhouse aren't going to understand really why that's so important or what a difference it, it can make, you know, mentally and physically in, in the competitive advantage it gives you to roll your horses out there every day. But I remember we were chasing the Phillies. You roll yeah. into Philly, you were getting Jimmy Rollins, Victor, yeah. you know, Howard, uh, Chase uh, like, Utley, Raul Ibanez, Jason Worth. Every single time every you faced them, there was no, there was no hope that you weren't going to face those guys. And they rolled that lineup out there every day. And, you know, a lot of guys talk about it too. Like that's how you put up your numbers. Yeah. If you, and that's, that's part of why guys don't want to take a lot of days off. You know, I'm sure that's why Freddie doesn't because today might be the day you hit two homers. Even if you don't feel great, you know, baseball is baseball. You can still have a great day out there. But I mean, I completely understand the concerns of of guys running out there and and playing through stuff they shouldn't. But that's not what he's saying. He's not he's not saying you know if, yeah. if you sprain your ankle and you're taped up to your knee, right, and can't move and you're going to hurt the team, don't play. But you create this environment where guys think they can't play and they'll take a day off with just sore muscles, you know, or or, yeah. or they're tired and and all of a sudden it just it kind or of hung over or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, guys will if it's allowed. You know, guys will be hung over and, and you're not, not going to say I'm hung over. So you go in there and you say my shoulders. Yeah, it's right. really acting up today. I think I should take the day off. But you just you if if you give guys slack, they'll take it. And and as your leader, you know, you want him going out there every day and setting that, that example so that everybody else follows it. Now, he's not he's not screaming at guys that you have he to be out do there. That. People got to no. understand Freddie does. He's not he's he's not an ogre because he's not no. high strung and he's not putting pressure on guys in a clubhouse and people aren't walking on eggshells around him. No. He's the most pleasant guy in the world. He's Nobody just loud would, talking to him. Right. You, you right. say it and loud. He's doing it with a smile with yep. that Freddie, with that joking tone. You say it loud and you joke and you get the whole clubhouse laughing and it's right. a really gentle way to deliver the message of what you expect. I mean, that David Ross was the king of that. He walked into the clubhouse late, you know, something unacceptable, you know, a lot of a lot of old school vets might come up and just yell at you, you know, right. insult you and say some mean shit. And what I'd learn is I'd watch the young guys and they respond to that. Like, you know, David Ross is just an asshole. Yeah. So what Rossi would do is he'd just make a joke of it. You know, he'd, he'd say something real witty, real funny and get the whole cl- clubhouse just erupting in laughter. The next time you're sitting on your couch and it's one thirty, you know, you need to be out of the house by one thirty-five to be at the field on time for BP. You think yeah. of Rossi and, and, and how he's going to, he's going to joke about it and make everybody laugh at you. And you're like, should I get in the car? I don't, I don't want to go through that. And that, that's kind of the same way Freddie does it. where taking Dansby's Jersey down or whatever he yeah. did. He's not being a dick and, and humiliating him in a way that, you know, makes him feel bad. He's just doing it in a way, like as part of the group, we expect you to be out here. And every time you, you take a day, you're going to get this reminder. Now that was the team giving him the day off. So it's even better. Right. And it's I thought even better. Dansby's quotes, I thought Dansby's quotes indicated as much. There was no yeah. Dansby. Dansby was got a kick out of it, you know? Yes. And I knew this was coming and Freddie hung a sweater, the sweatshirt in his locker, took his game pants, his thing. Down. And <laughs> that's when you ride the right him way. the hardest because right. the team made that choice for him. And the whole thing in there where it says, you know, now we got to check with Freddie. Well, what they called him to say like, you know, we really need him to take this day. Right. Okay. Don't, don't ride his ass tomorrow because we, we need him to take a day off. You know, it's not up to him. Just take it easy on him, not take it easy on him. Like he's going to go punch him in the face, but just don't ride him too hard tomorrow because it's not up to him, but just let him know that Dansby didn't come to them and go, can I have a day off? That's why they did it. And, but then it's even worse for Dansby because he didn't even ask for the day off and he has to take it because the team told him to do it. And yeah, it's just one of those things, honestly, that's like a running joke that gets you through the season. 
Hey, just going back real quick on J.D. Drew. I was just looking this up. He had spent uh, his first three, four, five, six, seven, six years with St. Louis right before he came to the Braves. And and J.D. Drew was a stud, man. When he came, I mean, yeah. he, he was a guy that everybody's like, if he can ever stay healthy, he's going to be one of the best players in the league, right? In the the five previous years, the full his full seasons in the majors, he had played 104, 135, 109, 135, and 100 games, right, with Cardinals. And, like, he had a year where he played 109 games and hit 27 bombs, hit 323 with 1,027 OPS. If he'd have played all year, if he, had, he would have been MVP that year. So he comes to the Braves yeah. after playing 100 games in St. Louis, comes to the Braves in 2004. Chipper calls him out first or second week of the season. Probably second week of the season. Dude ends up playing 145 games. Hits a career high. 28 doubles, career high, eight triples, career high, 31 homers, career high, 93 RBIs, career best, let's see, uh, 569. Okay, he had, he, he had a slug 613 in his 109 game season, but five, slugs 886 OPS. But, I mean, across the board, best season of his career. Yeah. And, you know, another side of it, too, is you, you're better when you play every day. I think it's a big Even deal with he, the Dodgers. Yeah, then he goes and gets a deal with the Dodgers. Um, you know, it, as a reliever, it was a fine line for me because the more I pitched, the better I pitched, the better I felt, the less, uh, you know, like discomfort or anxiety you had out there. Like you were more comfortable on the mound, more confident because you did it better yesterday. You know, the more you sit, the the more time there is for things to kind of stir in your brain. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I always heard people riding Freddie for – for how hard, you know, how much he pitched me, Johnny and Craig. And I'm like, you know, one of the number one reasons I was so good in Atlanta Freddie was G. Freddie. Freddie. Yeah. Freddie Gonzalez. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons I was so good there was because I was pitching all the time and and you're better. Your timing's better. Everything's better. You know, if you don't have to take days off and I don't think it's necessary. Moilo kind of said the same thing about Bobby, right? Even though he, Bobby pitched him into the ground after he came back from TJ surgery. Moilo yeah, but said, made his name, you know, yeah, that great. Yeah. That, that set him up, and, I mean, that made his career that he was able to throw every day. Yeah. Um, so, anyway, some of the quotes in Hannah's story seem to have struck a nerve with people I, because they they wonder if the Braves, and specifically Snit and Freddie, have kind of gone too far with the sort of uh, play every day you're upright ethos stuff. Um, but here you go. Dansby hit 274 with a career-best 809 OPS while starting all 60 games last year. He played, he started all 60 games last year in the shortened season. Best year of his career. This year he was hitting 227 with a 702 OPS after playing all the first 74 games of the year. Right. I mean, he was struggling. He kept playing every day and he heated up and then he reeled off what's been the best stretch of his career by far. 52 games from June 25th to August 24th, two-month stretch. The guy hit 320, 382 OBP, 13 bombs, 44 ribbies, 973 OPS, raises overall average 267 and an 818 OPS. So that stretch there, that two-month stretch, that's when we were saying Braves need to sign him for a long-term extension. This guy's going to get a bit of big contract. I mean, you're talking about a shortstop that can do that. You're talking about an eight-figure salary, Yeah, <laughs> you know, all of a sudden. For that 52 games, one-third of the season, he was on fire. But 
just when you think maybe Dansby has turned a career a corner of his career, he's not going to be a streaky hitter anymore. He's figured some things out. He started, he went out a tailspin. So this began after that two day break in the brave schedule, that kind of unprecedented two day break, whether it's coincidence or not, this, this, his skid began August 27th. Since then, He's hit 123 with one home run and four RBIs in 21 games. Eight walks, 23 strikeouts, 214 OBP, 178 slugging. He's got a 392 OPS, and that's nearly four weeks. That's 20, 21 games, nearly four weeks. In the middle of that, he finally got a day off the, the day they told him to take off. They forced him to. September 10th, the Braves' 141st game of the year. First game that he didn't play all season. All right, takes the day off, and and Snit wanted him to not even get, come in, and didn't want to use him at all, and he didn't, didn't even pinch hit, had the whole day off. In the eight games since that day off, he's hit 107, three for 28, got a double, one RBI, nine strikeouts. That, in other words, it did nothing as far as if somebody thought that was going to make a big difference in what his in his hitting. So his past 15 games. He's five for 51. He's hit 098. He's got one extra base hit and a 318 OPS. That's not OBP. 318 OPS. Team went seven and eight in that stretch. I mean, he's a big part, obviously, of their whether they succeed or not. They got all these other guys that are doing great, fortunately, that have picked up the slack in the last few days. And 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 then Riley doing what he's doing, or uh, 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 Duvall doing what he's doing, which having an unbelievable year. But Dansby's a big part of this thing. Fortunately, as you said, when we were talking, the, the, the defense has never lacked. He's not taken that onto the no. field with him defensively, and that's commendable on his part. No, he plays he plays a hard nine in the field every every single game. And, you know, that goes back to what we're talking about, too, is even if he doesn't contribute with the bat that day, having him out that shortstop might change the game. So he's back down to, for the season, though, a 248 average, 761 OPS, kind of basically his whole career, is and his, and his 97 OPS plus, which is just below the league average hitter. Guys, let's take a quick break, and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply here's some quotes from that story we're talking about hand story that that people uh you know were talking about uh that they really were like whoa that doesn't seem right but he said uh it's uh i'm just gonna find a couple of them. mentally he said mentally is probably the most taxing because baseball is such a hard game and it's failure oriented game so the mental component is tough um, he's talking about prep, preparing every day and playing every day. Um, he said, uh, and, and Snip was talking about 
when a guy might need a day off. He said you could just feel it sometimes rather than than some some heat map can tell you. Wash, Ron Washington said, you know, he does the drills with him every day. He said, normally I don't like to use the word frustration, but you could see when he was at the plate, you could see the dejection was yeah. Swansby. When you see that, that's when you take him, make the move and give him a break. So the coaches talked about it with Snit. They decided that uh, on the evening of September 9th, they called Dansby to ask him how I felt about being left out of the line the next day. Dansby said, I appreciated them calling me, so it wasn't like you, you're going to do this. Yeah. And they stressed to him that it would only it would only come in in the game if it was an absolute emergency. They wanted him to take the day and decompress, just watch the game. And they said once they cleared it with with Swanson, there was someone else to call. Again, they were kind of kidding, but they called Freddie for the reasons you cited. They didn't want Freddie riding him, thinking he asked for a day off. But they called uh, Freddie. Said I got a call at one in the morning to take to tell me to take it easy on Dansby. Uh, <laughs> And said, Freddie, who's the captain of the team, even though he's not technically, you know, formally the captain, he's the captain. Everybody calls yeah. him the captain. Uh, and Freddie said, okay, that's fine. I'll take it easy. So I didn't say anything to him. He said, but the next day in the clubhouse, Freddie said, I just took his jersey down. I took his pants down. I put his little sweatshirt up. And right when he walked up, right when he walked in, I was sitting in my locker. He just looked at me and he goes, I've been, unfortunately, not waiting for this moment today. <laughs> Uh, because everyone knows I'm going to get on Freddie said, because everybody knows I'm going to get on him. But again, this is all said and fun. They're all, they're both smiling, laughing about it. So Dansby was laughing about the fact that he had to take a day off. He knew he needed it, but he knew Freddie was going to ride him and he, and he was ready for it. So, but it's none of the, what everybody's thinking, you know, reading it the wrong way, like Dansby's feeling like guilty or angry or and it's none of that at all. No. It's, a, it's all in good fun. As you explain. That's the stuff that gets you through the season. You know, is just ripping on each other and, and having all those inside jokes and stuff. He's not thinking Freddie's going to come beat him up for not playing. Yeah. And Snip was talking about the infield playing all the time. And he said, they play every day. I mean, it starts with that guy right there. He said, pointing to Freddie taking grounders at that time when he was, ta- when she was talking to him. Freddie said, he kind of, uh, Snip said, he kind of wills them out there. Um, and Snicker was talking about the kind of the culture you know, of the Braves and playing all that. And, and Wash said that culture is a culture that's been in the game of baseball. It's talking about old school. That's what guys did. He goes, I, it didn't just come here. It was already here. You had the Chipper Jones, those guys, you know, you know what I'm saying? It was already here. Um, And Chipper, like I said, he got it from TP. TP told him early in his career, the importance of being in every day. And Chipper said, it's a conversation that I had with many young players through the years, and it's nice to see it carrying over. I think what I tried to get across to Freddie early on in his career and what he's passing along now is that those guys being out on the field every single day does more for the confidence of your team and hurts the confidence of the other team. If they were taking days off, the other team would be like, whew, I don't have to worry about Freddie today. or I don't have to worry about Ozzy or Dansby. No, you want them seeing that full lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it it just does something for your confidence. If Freddie's not in there and you feel lucky that you get to pitch that day, you know, and it confidence is everything in baseball. So anytime you see that and you feel like you got a break, I mean, that's just a little bit of free momentum for the other team. Yeah. And Freddie told a story about a Danny Echevarria two years ago when Dansby was on the IL. He had that stone bruise in his heel and missed about a month. And they went out and got Echevarria because uh, uh, none of the backups they had 
could play short at, at the rate. I mean, at the level they wanted. So they went out and got Echeverria off the scrap heap. The Mets had let him go and he, Echeverria played great. But one day Echeverria had made a game saving catch and landed on his elbow. So he was going to, he was thinking about sitting out the next day. Freddie found him in the trainer's room and explained to Echeverria that he had to play. He said, I know it hurts, but you're not injured. And Echeverria wasn't, and he was just hurting, but he could play. That night, Echeverria played. He had a two-run homer in his first at-bat. He only had nine all year, but he had a two-run homer that night. And when he got back to the dugout, Freddie was waiting for him. Freddie said, you're welcome. <laughs> he was smiling. He said, if you're not injured, I expect you out there. That's just how it is, Freddie said. He's talking about, you know, just in general now. So there's a difference between being injured and hurt, in my opinion. If you're hurt, I expect you to be out there playing because you at 80%, you can still change the game. Yeah. And again, that's not injuries that are going to, they're not, he don't want guys to play if they're going to make the injury worse. But if you're just sore and you're not going to make the, and you're not going to, the injury is not going to turn into, you know, a tear from you playing. You're just playing sore. He wants you out there playing if you're a good player, an everyday player. Yeah, the majority of stuff that that guys are are playing through is stuff that is just going to be there whether you rehab it or not. Yeah, you know it's 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 a sore hamstring, tight hamstring. You know, a bruise. You could play through a bruise. You know, it hurts. It's in, it's inconvenient. You know, it's uncomfortable, but it's not going to worsen. You know, that, he's not telling them to play through a torn ligament in their elbow or uh, they need labrum surgery or something like that. Yeah. So I think that's important to understand. Is is that a lot of guys in the league would take days off anytime they didn't feel hundred percent. If you want to go deep or win a division, you just, you can't have guys, your lineup has to be out there every day. And Dansby, you know, has missed time with serious injuries before or injuries that you couldn't play through. Like the like one where he had to have the elbow surgery. Yeah. He had, he's had some serious stuff. He had that stone bruise. Couldn't play on. So this is his chance to, you know, he played every, every day last year and he wanted to do it this year for 162. That was his goal coming in. But uh, Dansby said, talking about Freddie and that, you know, that ethos and wanting everybody to play. He said, I wouldn't say it's pressure because it's kind of like our responsibility. This is who we are. And this is who we've become as players. We want to be those people that can be counted on every day. Uh, and, and, and Austin Riley said, Freddie, he's the captain of the team. And if you're not playing that day, you better be extremely hurt. It's just the way he's wired. He expects us to play every day and we're going to. So, I mean, I think it's great. I think these guys, they've accepted this and they want to live up to it. I think it's great. They know the difference between playing hurt and not. And we've seen that getting a day off is not the answer. Everybody out there thinks that getting a day off is the magic answer to a guy snapping out of a slump, and it usually doesn't. It, it usually is not a big – you don't see a change. It can be, and if you see a guy visibly slow, you know, or, or playing sloppy right. and you know he's not that kind of guy, you know, I mean, that's when that's when your manager steps in and – and gives them that day, but you don't ever want to have guys asking for it. Cause it, it's just a slippery slope where they start asking for days when they don't need it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just, I think it, it, that's a culture that's been around for a long time in baseball. And it's, it's really nothing new. It's not like Freddie's only guy in the league right. putting pressure on his teammates to be out there. Adam Duvall's home run last night at Arizona. It went up on the concourse in left center. I mean, it was a blast because to get it over that wall, that wall's huge out there in center field. Like uh, they had, for instance, there was an out off of uh, Rich Rodriguez, who's given up a lot of hard hit balls. He gave up another home run last night and he gave up a 428 foot double that Marte Marte. Marte. Yeah. Yeah. Four, that's a home run everywhere else. Yeah. Everywhere. I mean, 428 yeah, feet. Yeah, that, that ball was torched. 
Yeah. So that was, all, but that's how big that, that batter's eye and that wall in center field is. Duvall hit it over everything. It was to the left of that, but it was, it would have cleared everything. Yeah. 483 feet was the, was the estimate. And if anything, that was conservative. I mean, it was legit every bit of that. At least. So it was longer than the one he had hit in, in a real, in a similar spot, but more in left field in Denver, where he hit on the concourse there where almost nobody hits. And he hit the one in Miami before that, that went off the uh, cart up there where nobody except Stanton hits him that banged off that metal cart, the food cart up there on the left field. concourse. Yeah. So Duvall's hitting tape measure shots, man. I mean, this guy's not hitting fence scrapers, but he said of the one last night, because Snit came up to him afterwards and said, did you feel anything when you hit that? Because, you know, people have told Snit, sometimes when you hit one perfect, it's like you can't even feel, feel it. And Doovy said, that was probably, and he said, I mean, that was the purest ball I've hit in my big league career. So I think that's probably all I got. I mean, I don't want to sell myself short, but if I, I would impress myself if I hit one further than that one. <laughs> it was his 37th home of the year. Two-run shot. Of course, he hits them. Almost all the ones he hits are somebody on base, which is also obviously huge. Yeah. Raised his NL leading RBI total to 107. Damn. He's got eight homers during a 16-game hitting streak. Longest streak of his uh, in the majors and longest of his career. Longest active streak in the majors. He leads the majors in home runs with runners on base, 25. Leads them with runners in scoring position. Leads the majors, 18. And then there's a stat that Stats Inc. came up last night that was it says plenty about when you when your name is mentioned with Hank Aaron's in anything you're doing yeah. stuff. Hank, a uh, 25 of Dewey's 37 homers have come with runners on base at 67.6. percent That would be the highest percentage of runners uh, or of of home runs with a runner on base of any L hit NL hitter National League hitter with at least 35 homers. Since Hank Aaron in 1970, when Hank hit 30 of his 38 that year with runners on base, 78.9%. The highest percentage this would be since Hank Aaron in 1970, half a century. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's impressive. Any Anytime men, your name is mentioned in the same sentence as Hank Aaron, you're doing something right. I mean, considering that what's all happened since then, too, the steroid era, all that, nobody ever hit a higher percentage with runners on base than this. So Doovey said, uh, wow. I asked, uh, I mentioned that to him, the Hank Aaron stat. He said, wow, I would never be able to think of a stat like that. Obviously to be mentioned with him, that's pretty special, especially being in a Braves uniform. That's pretty cool. Hopefully there's more to come earlier in the year. He said earlier in the year, there was a stat. I had a lot of three run homers, something about three run homers. I don't remember the stat exactly, but yeah, it's good when you can hit them with guys on base, obviously. Yep. The other thing last night, Eddie Rosario hits his second consecutive hit homers for the second consecutive game. But the one he hit Sunday was part of the first hitting cycle of his career, which is crazy because, well, for a couple of reasons, it's the second by a brave in a month. Freddie did it one, one month and one day earlier. So the Braves have two hitting cycles this year of the four in the majors. Yeah. Right. But Eddie Rosario did it. And it had never been done and since they started tracking it in like 1900. Never been done in fewer than eight pitches. He did it in five pitches. He fouled off the first pitch of the game that he saw. Then he had a hit in every pitch he saw the rest of the game. He only had four bats in the game. 
four straight hits on first pitches, and it was three different pitchers that he did it against and three different types of pitches. <laughs> I mean, you, 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 if it was all first pitch fastballs or something like that, but right. the team tried to adjust. It's, I think he's just in that zone. You know, when a guy does something like that, it doesn't matter what you throw up there. He's on time. He's ready. And yeah, I, so he fouled off the first pitch he swung at. And then the next four, he got a cycle. Yep. Yep. The first one from uh, Anthony Disclafini, Disclafani, I'm sorry. Uh, who was the starter, obviously. He fouled off, uh, uh, foul tipped the first pitch he saw him in. Then he doubled on the second pitch of his second at, second inning at bat off him. Doubled. Then he hit a first pitch triple off DeSclafani in the fifth inning. Then he homered on the first pitch that Zach Littell threw after Zach Littell came in in the seventh inning. Duvall hit a two-run homer that changed the whole game, made it 2-0. So that's when they took Sclafani out, brought in Latell. Sclafani was pitching great up to that point. Yeah. He had a, it was a pitcher's duel with him and, and Max. They bring in Zach Latell. Rosario hits the first pitch from Zach Latell for a two-run homer or, or for a solo homer after Duvall's two-run homer. And then he comes up in the ninth inning. They brought in Curvin Castro to start the inning. And he homers on the first pitch of the inning, the first pitch from Castro. He's or he singles. So the last pitch, the last hit he got of the cycle was a single. He already had the double homer and triple. I always wonder if somebody would stop at first for that. I know, I know. I like trip because he can make it easy to yeah. look like you tripped. <laughs> yeah, because I think the other team would definitely take that as showing him up. But yeah, that would you know, bad if it's a stopped. blowout or something. I always, I always, I know guys would hold up at second on a triple. Right. Yeah, if you just blatantly stopped, we're like, no, go ahead. Go ahead, throw it. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good here. <laughs> It'd be funny if the outfielder just held the ball and said, run to second. <laughs> Stop being a dick. Or if the scorekeeper called it a double. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it's happened at some point. Some guys held up at first. But anyway, he had for the cycle in his 19th game with the Braves. And like I said, it was one day and a month after Freddie did it. And that was after Freddie became the first player in franchise, modern franchise history to hit for the cycle more than once since 1900. So Rosario was the first time he hit for the cycle since rookie ball in like 2011. So in a decade. And it was, uh, there's only been four this year in the majors. They, the Braves have two of them, but the crazy thing is before Freddie did it, Freddie had done it in 2016 as well. Kotze did it in 2008 with the Braves, Albert Hall in 1987. And that's it for the Atlanta era, era Braves. That's it for the cycles. Yeah. And before 1987, the, la the last Brave to do it was 1910. So now you had, you had five cycles for the franchise in 111 seasons, but you've had two in, the la in a month. <laughs> yeah, that's how baseball is. I, yeah. I mean, Freddie didn't have a grand slam till this year, right? Or last year. Yeah, it was till last year. Then he hit two in one weekend. Yeah, never had a one in his career. Is. Two in one series. Yeah, the only other ones in the break in the uh, majors this year: Jake Cronenworth with the Padres and Trey Turner had one with the Nationals before he got traded to the uh, Dodgers. But anyway, Rosario has been. We talked about he's been huge, man. I mean, this guy's what he's done since coming over to the Braves is uh, you know his OPS on like eleven hundred. He's got. Uh, He's got 10 extra base hits, six homers in 20 games with the Braves, like uh, 12 ribbies, 13 ribbies. He's been huge. 
He's given him left-handed pop. I mean, he's really diminished Peterson's playing time. And Jock had started to slump a little bit. Now Rosario's been in there every day against right-handers. So it's hard to get Jock playing time because Soler's playing so well. He had leadoff last night for the first time, second time in his career. You know, six foot five guys, but like Stanton hitting leadoff, but it worked last night. So um, you got him and right. You got Duvall playing center now. And Duvall, you're not, he's going to be in a lineup every day. So it's tough to get Peterson playing time, man. That's a good problem to have. Yeah. Can you you got to understand that when you're him, too. You know, it's, yeah. you can look at, he's been in the game long enough. He can understand that. So quite a big spot for Rosario to hit the first cycle of his career. He's been in the lineup regularly now against righties. Uh, through Sunday, I didn't update it after last night, but through against against righties, he was hitting 350 with five bombs, hit another last night, 825 slug and a 1238 OPS in his first 40 at bats with the Braves against righties. I I always thought he was a good player. I didn't expect him, you know, to to come and do this. And good outfielder with a terrific he accurate a arm, strong. Yeah. yeah. Um. Then Duvall. Duvall's two-run game-changing homer. I mean, this guy keeps doing it. Uh, the game that 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 homer that he hit Sunday. Like I said, I thought it was the biggest win of the year of the year for the Braves. They would have got swept by the Giants, and at the time, it looked when they were when it was a tie game most of the way, it looked like the Phillies might win that day. So it was looking for a while like they might, Braves might leave San Francisco tied. Their lead, their their four and a half game lead having been erased in a five game span. Their five four game span, including the off day when the Phillies won, when the Braves had that rain out against the Rockies. So anyway, Phillies ended up losing. They lost late, and the Braves won. So the, the whole thing changed. But uh, Doobie's two-run homer got it all started. And it was it was huge to straight center. And he's uh, – the Braves – you know, the Braves, when they traded for him, he'd been torching them while he was with the Marlins this year, so they knew he was having a great year. But he's ramped it up another notch since he came over here. He's been on fire, man. We love sitting in that park, and and he's playing. The Martins weren't playing terrible, you know. They they had a shot to maybe sneak into a wild card or something for part of that year. But I always think, you know, guys like him that have been around get that extra boost and be comfortable. You know that that kind of takes away the whole how's he going to react to being traded here. Yeah. When you get traded to a team you already played for, it's like coming home. So it takes that out of yeah. the equation too. But. Yeah, that deal definitely worked out. And Snit joked after that homer that he hit Sunday at uh, at San Francisco. Snit said, "Yeah, the former team card again, man." Uh, and I'd forgotten that Doobie started his career with the Giants. They're the ones that drafted him. He actually played his rookie year, only like 20, 30 games, but he played with them. Um, I asked him, you know, because Buster Posey. I said, Buster Posey and some guys are, are still here from your days, right? And he said, Yeah. He goes, A lot of the guys are still here that I played with and then he smiled and you know, Doobie, he's not cocky at all. He's like the most modest guy in the world. So when he said this, it was hilarious. He said, yeah, a lot of the guys are still here that I played with. And he smiled. He said, so I said, hi, when I'm running by. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, it, it definitely feels good to get your old team. You yeah. I, I did that when I, so the Mariners had put me on waivers and, and let me go. And I had kind of a rough time there and we went back. It took, you know, they, we were American League, National League, so it took till 2011 we went and pitched against them. But BMAC, when we went and played against the Mariners, my first game against them, you know, since yeah. they'd relieved me, I definitely had a chip on my shoulder. And he <laughs> called that game like it was a World Series game. And I think I came in like, you know, up two or up three, you know, nothing that you'd fist pump or go crazy about, but getting me through that inning, he fist pumped yeah. and came up and hit me in the chest was like, how'd that feel? 
And you know, you don't you don't want to be petty and you don't want to really admit right. it, but it, it it feels damn good to to get a team back, I guess, you know, that you feel like let you go when they shouldn't have or something like that. And even if it is on good terms, you know, pitching against the Braves in yeah. 14 with Oakland, it still feels good. It means a little more no matter what when you when you know that organization. Especially when I was talking to Andrew Baggerly, who's covered the Giants as long as I've been covering baseball. He's been covering the Giants almost that long. And he was there when Doobie was there. And he said when Duvall was there, they never thought they were shocked at how good an outfielder he became in Cincinnati. Because when he was with the Giants, they always thought, you know, the gloves and he's okay in the outfield, but not that good. And they didn't think he would be a good enough hitter. You know, that's some of the stuff that drives you too you know when you hear it from that team and get like right. oh it's kind of I mean you're thinking about them when you're working you know you're thinking about them and what they said you can't do and you're that much more driven to do it so he left and becomes a gold glove caliber outfielder he's a good outfielder and a 30 home run hitter for the third and now he's done it three times he, he might be a 40 home run hitter this year before it's all said and done so I keep yeah. thinking he's at 40 because he's been it feels like he's been at 35 or something for a while and I'm like, you know, he hit one the other day. I thought, that's got to be 40 soon. But what's he at, 37, 38? 37. Yeah, he get there. He might get there this week, this road trip. He might. And with the with the pitching that Arizona's got out there, he's got three more games in Arizona and then three in San Diego, which is a tough place to hit him. But Arizona's hitter's park, man. He's raking. So, um, and they're not. And then after this trip, it's crunch time. Phillies and Mets. This uh, Max Freed, he's he has pitched his ass off in the second half, man. I mean, Charlie yeah. Morton has done exactly what the Braves had hoped he'd do and a little bit more. But Max Freed, after starting slow, we were all worried about him. He had two stints on the IL. We're like, oh, man, he's come back to earth after last year. You know, full season. He can't get through a full season. Man, he's shut up the critics because he's been so good since late July. After that second stint on the DL, he's been an ace, man. Frontline guy, number one caliber guy. And he's giving you six, seven innings every time he goes out there now. His game Sunday against the Giants, against the team that leads the league in home runs, uh, best record in baseball. And he goes in there and pitches against Di Sclafani in a a pitcher's duel and and out-dueled him and just pitched great. I mean, he he just looked – you know, on a windy day out there where it wasn't easy to pitch, you know, in this day game in San Francisco, it could be a little rough pitching. It's, it's a, you know, dry and windy pitch. Great. Um, and the Braves had lost four straight too. So that's why another reason why that I thought that was the yeah. biggest win of the season for them. They had lost four straight, the two to Colorado, they had a chance to get swept again, swept for two straight series. So, Free through 67 strikes and 99 pitches, faced three batter, batters over the minimum in seven innings, and no more than four batters in any inning. That's dominant. He I, said, I, yeah, big stopper. You know, I mean, they needed that start too. He said, we played a couple of tight games here that didn't come on our side. I wanted to go out there and just try to keep us in the game as long as I could. He's so modest all the time. I just wanted to keep us in it and try to come out with a win. Obviously, the guy swung the bat really well. Eddie had a huge game. Doovy had the big homer. Really happy to come out with a win. Um, then Luke Jackson, who had missed two games on paternity leave, comes in and pitched lights out. He got three ground balls. One of them was called a hit. Should have It could have been an error on Ozzie uh, with one out. That was ruled a hit. But then he induces a 
double play on the next on the, to the next batter. So he got three ground balls, three outs. And then um, Will Smith, after giving up the, the home run, blowing a save in the ninth inning of Friday's game, which they lost an 11 inning, a excruciating loss. He comes back, sniffs, Snit sticks with him when I'm calling for him, you know, to change closers, which I think I still think they should do. But Snit sticks with him. He's got all the faith in the world in this guy. He comes in and pitches great in that uh, ninth inning Sunday, gets two strikeouts in a perfect ninth inning. So I will say he could turn the page. That guy can't turn the page because he can have some ugly outings and come back and not feel and, and, and have a good outing. You know, that's that's another tricky part of managing a team. Mm-hmm. It makes it a lot harder to turn the page when you're trying to turn the page in sync with a demotion. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, it's like, it, it's, yeah. And honestly, I mean, it's, and it's not late. like, and it's probably word this late to do, you know, it. I'm sure Snit, if he rolled him out there and he blew another save. Yep. Now, what do I do? I mean, it's so hard in Snit's shoes to, to, to yep. roll him back out there, knowing the criticism he's going to face, but knowing the importance that it has in Will Smith's confidence in himself to say, you're our closer and throw him back yep. out there. And, you know, I mean, this team, you'd need a closer. Um, yeah. It's it's tempting watching Max, Matzik throw the ball to want to give him that role. But how do you know how he's going to respond to the, hand, you know, the That's up why pressure? I said Luke Jackson. Luke, Luke, you know, can handle it. But Luke had his adventures closing, too. And yeah, there, there's just a different picture now. He's better. But yeah, there's going to be unlimited second guessing no matter what what moves yeah, it makes. But I always appreciate that in the manager. The hardest bullpen to pitch in is the bullpen where when you struggle, your role changes yeah. every time. It's almost impossible because it's just reinforcing that you sucked yesterday when your spot comes up today and you don't pitch. I mean, it's just another thing that that gets in guys' heads and, and makes it harder to come out of. And and even though I said he should change him, I also can see why he wouldn't because it's not like there's two months left in the season. Mm-mm. There's two weeks left in the season. And you are right there on the cusp. I mean, you got to win to get in. If you lose him now, there's not enough time to get him back. If you lost him two months in, you could sit him, you could demote him for a few weeks, bring get him, him right. back after he had some great outings as a setup guy. If you wanted to do that, you demote him now. There's not enough time to get him back. You got to right. go with who you're going to go with now. You know, right? As and your he closer. can't conquer. He can't conquer that beast in the eighth or seventh inning. Right. And then you, you know, can't so when you do call season, right? So it, that's. It's so tricky because you're trying to win a division. But if you if you're gonna have him close and he's your guy, he's got to conquer that beast of the ninth inning. You can't have yeah. him pitch well in the eighth because if he has two good weeks in the eighth and then you throw him back to the ninth, he's still got can I handle the ninth hanging over him with the fans, with the manager, with himself. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's so much trickier to manage a bullpen than people give it credit for. But you yeah. know, I understand the concern. There's been some some blown saves. I wish I was watching the whole game on Sunday because I didn't see him pitch. I wanted to see, you know, when I watch him throw. Everything's coming into right-handed hitters. He throws his four-seamer into him. He throws his slider. It's almost like, you know, if they sell out, they don't have to sell out on a pitch, but they can sell out on inner half. Uh-huh. I, I really think if he could dot a four-seam down and away, especially late in the count, he would just freeze right-handed hitters. Um, it's it's a yeah. tougher pitch to throw for some guys. I think that's why he lives inside with his four-seam, and he's got such a good slider that, um, you know, he can get away with it. But I watched that Solano at bat where he gave up the homer to tie the game. Yeah. And he threw a bastard one-two slider. And Solano took it like he'd seen a million of them. You know, like uh-huh. it was just nothing. Like, he was obviously sitting on the pitch. Um, for me, it's you got to read that cue and, and do something else. 
And you definitely can't throw a slider in the zone after that guy tips that he's sitting on it. And, and uh-huh. that's the mistake he made. He threw one in the zone. It came into his bat. But allowing him to eliminate that half of the plate and not have to cover away, uh-huh. that's going to be what happens with Will is it's, the homers are going to hurt him. You know, I mean, that's eventually a guy's going to cheat enough to that slider in or be able to handle a fastball in because he's already looking inside right. that he's going to get burned. And that's what he normally gets hurt with is a homer or, or a big hit from a right-handed hitter. Um, I, I think if he could dot his four seam down and away, they'd see it down, they'd see it away, and they'd be looking slider, and and it it just lock him up. And I don't know if he can make that pitch or not. That's why I wish I watched him pitch and, and see if he made an adjustment or if his stuff was just better. Uh, Snit said of, of uh, Max in that game, by the way, he said that's a big win after the last two days with the, what these guys went through. He said, Max, golly, Max was awesome, awesome. Freed has a 1.80 ERA in his last 10 starts, 63 strikeouts and 11 walks in 65 innings. I mean, that's ace stuff there. He's 5-0 and with a 1.71 ERA in nine starts since the beginning of August, and the Braves are 8-1 and in those games. Yeah, he, he's got he, – I don't think um, big game phases Max much. Yeah. Team him and Charlie team. Morton, you, are, yeah. you, you can go toe-to-toe with anybody with your yeah. one-two now, guys, in the postseason. Anybody. Yeah. I mean, I know Scherzer's great, but the Braves have hit Scherzer before. When yeah. Scherzer's been in Cy Young years, the Braves have hit him. They know they can hit him. Yeah. And it, that's what I like about Max, too, is I, I think when he struggles, I don't I don't think it's it's mental. I think it's, you know, he's just off mentally, yeah. but he always shows up and competes. He never looks, you know, timid or, or not aggressive. His mechanics might be off. He might be showing the ball or having trouble finding the zone. But I don't ever see him scared, which is one thing I love about him, especially going in the playoffs. Snet said Max is special. He's a front end guy. He's a, he he's a as you know what baseball guys say, he's a guy. That means he's a he's a dude. He yeah. said he's a guy. He goes, he just continues to mature and get more confidence. That was really good today. It was great. It was a great day to pitch, a beautiful day here. That's kind of you make this place really cool as days like this. It was, it was a tremendous atmosphere. That's beautiful. Um and he said it was a great pitching matchup. Really well pitched game on both sides. Glad we came on top. Uh, Dude, said the atmosphere was as close as you're going to get to the postseason without yeah. being in the postseason. And he said uh, because you got two teams that are fighting that every game is huge for. Everybody on the field knows how important it is to win the game. And you could tell he, every out was big. Every run was big. He said as the game went on, I started to realize, man, scoring runs here is tough. So that, that was part. big to be able to get on the board and then let Max do his thing. He was going after dudes today. It was impressive to watch. Yeah, he he showed up. He him and Charlie for me. And Noah's. I don't know why Noah keeps coming out of the game. You know, at seventy pitches, maybe they think he's not built up yet. He's looking decent. He didn't. He didn't look that good last night, man. No, he, he was. He was slider wasn't there. Yeah, slider wasn't there. I mean, still throwing. He's he said he he's he has no doubt that he can get it back for the postseason. He said he's just got to keep getting stronger. The, but man, yeah. the slider just wasn't there last night. I don't know. They need him. Yeah, they're gonna need somebody in that third spot. I mean, if Ian Anderson could do it, you know, he's he's been sketchy too since he got back, but he's showing some signs. But they need a third guy. Ian's out of the. Uh, he's out of that zone where nobody's seen it before. So, you know, this, that second right. year, you know, that over the I, top, that un- yeah. unusual delivery and the, the awkwardness is gone. So now he's got a pitch and and that yeah. that's a hurdle he'll figure out. But yeah, I mean, I think that I attribute a lot of 
him not being as dominant this year is to people have seen it. They know what to expect. They can talk to each other about it. And uh-huh. a lot of guys have had a look at him, especially in the division. So it definitely gets more challenging, but he'll figure it out. Well, Braves are going tonight with a bullpen game. Not something you expect to see this time of the year, but hey, the Giants do it. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, And they're going to start Jesse Chavez. Uh, you know what? I like it rather than Snit feeling like he's got to start Smiley or he's got to start Tukey. It's like you tried that. You've tried it so many times, and you he just wants Jesse to get him off the ground, as he says, and get a good first inning. Because a lot of times, both those guys have had trouble in the first inning or the second inning. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you're down three nothing. He's confident that Jesse can get him at least a, an inning or get into the second inning, maybe. And then maybe you bring in one of those guys or anybody. You got twelve guys in the pen, so it's not like you're short. You know, you got an extra guy down there right now, so, um, you know, and, and, and you're not worried about. It's not like you're facing the Giants. You know, these guys, these, they obviously got a couple yeah. players, but I, I, I kind of like that he's not uh, feeling compelled to go with either of those guys at this point in the season. It's like, okay, you tried that again and again and again, and you couldn't do Kyle Wright or Muller because they each pitched this weekend, so that didn't work. So, Chavi will be up for the task. He's going to be feeling himself. I mean, he likes to start. He likes to – yeah, he likes to take the ball and be out there to start the game. He'll be he'll be ready to roll. I wouldn't be surprised if he went two or three, even though Snit said one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snit is said just go play the game. He said he'll let him go as long as he can go. So yeah, I, I he might go six. <laughs> that dude, you never know. You never know with him. So it's going to be interesting, and the Braves got a chance. Now they're up three. They got a chance to keep, uh, you know, getting close. Their their magic was down to eleven. Well, you got 14 games left. Magic numbers down to 11. You got six games left on this trip. Try to get home with that thing at seven or eight. Or 13. I forget how many games left. 13 or 14. What what do we see? San Francisco. We got three Arizona, three more in Arizona, three in San Diego. Oh, plus the suspended game. There's the other one. Okay. That was in the bottom of the fifth. Braves are down by a run, and it's only going to be seven inning games. So Friday. Colorado's going to have to fly and play two innings. No, talking about this, the Padres game. Oh, got you, got that you. The Braves okay. are going to make up in San Diego before the okay. start of Friday series open. All right, I got it. They won't play that Colorado game unless they need to. If they need to, the Colorado's going to have to fly to Atlanta to play that one game. How do you think the Rockies are going to play in that game? Like, if you're a pending free agent, you got to fly to Atlanta to play a meaningless game for you guys, and you're about to become a free agent. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it it'll definitely depend on the leadership. Yeah. Because if, yeah. if you know, if you're a manager and, and you want to motivate your team, you use the spoiler route, especially on that game, you know, because they might respond to the intensity. If if the Braves need that game to get into the playoffs or win the division, you know, it's going to be a huge game for them. Yeah. Colorado could show up. But if you got bad leadership, they could also just show up, just yeah. checked out like, fuck this game. You know, we're yeah, I'm going, I already had a flight to go over. home. Yeah. I already had a, booked a flight the day after the season ended to go home. And yeah. I got to go to Atlanta. That's going to come all down to leadership. And if you're Atlanta, you hope they have some bad leadership and they show up not even, you know, yeah. just completely checked out and ready to go home. Stories like, ah, can't make it. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not yeah. going to be on that trip. Uh, I got a sore foot. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll talk again on uh, what Monday or Tuesday or no Friday and uh, Friday in San Diego, I guess. Yeah. We'll yep. do that. Sounds good. See how the Braves do in the rest of the series in uh, three more games in Arizona. Got a chance to make some hay. 755 is real. We're out. Mm-hmm.